States HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, this year, a broad coalition of grassroots organizations, nonprofits, community gardeners organized the first Syracuse Food Justice Symposium. Now, the focus was on taking back our health through community gardens and urban agriculture. Well, here with more on all of this are Dr. Travis Hobart and Dr. Joseph Nima. They are both assistant professors of pediatrics at Upstate Medical University. Welcome to you both. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. Dr. Hobart, this year marked the first ever Syracuse Food Justice Symposium. Tell us about it. I mean, what what is it or what was it? Uh, so what we did for the uh, symposium was bring together a wide group of stakeholders, um, including people from uh, healthcare, people from nonprofit organizations, um, the Cornell Cooperative Extension, um, a couple faith organizations, the Brady Faith Center, and ACTS. Um, and we came together to try to share ideas and come up with best practices for improving the diets and the health of people in the community. Um, and our main focus was uh, around uh, community gardening and um, and farming in the city. To but what was the, I mean, obviously there was an impetus for this. In other words, are you feeling that the nutrition in a particular area is not up to par? Yes. I mean, and, and, you know, tell us more about that in terms of access or what have you to, to fresh right. fruits and vegetables. So, yeah, so um, unfortunately in, in certain areas, in particular in Syracuse in the city, um, uh, there's less access to healthy fruit foods. Um, a, a lot of the, there aren't a lot of supermarkets in, in the city, um, and a lot of the stores that do sell food don't have the healthiest options available. Um, so this was a, a group of people interested in trying to change that um, and trying to, to educate people about what is healthy and also make more healthy food available to people. But in doing that through this whole idea of actually setting up community gardens and people growing their own fruits and vegetables to whatever degree they could. Yes, exactly. So, Dr. Nima, how did you get involved in all of this? I mean, obviously, pediatricians are crucially important in health, but what moved you to this particular effort? Yeah, so Dr. Hobart and I, Travis and I both um, developed a personal interest in gardening and then had ideas about how that could expand to working with the patients that we serve. Um, we got involved last year in a program that worked at the Dr. King Elementary School called Spring Sprouts. It was an educational program that we rolled out with some of the fourth year medical students to teach them how to grow plants and educate them about food and see if that could make a difference in terms of what food choices they made and things like that. Uh, and through that program, we actually ended up meeting uh, the person from Cornell Co-op, who was one of the leaders of the organization of the symposium. Uh, so we had some personal interest and then some professional interest in terms of educating our kids. And then that led us to collaborating with some of the people that were working on the symposium. So the symposium was really just a gathering of people to figure out ways or action plans to put all this into effect. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think on the first annual basis, uh, what this did more than anything was, number one, helped people brainstorm, number two, help people share resources, and number three, really do a good needs assessment of uh, how we can help our community grow and thrive uh, by way of gardening and what that has to offer to people. Um, I think that plans started to come out of this and will continue to come out of this, but uh, because this hasn't been done before and because there's a lot of isolated organizations in the community that are doing things uh, sort of on their own, I think this was a way to bring a lot of like minds together to try to brainstorm about how to do it in a more collaborative way. So at this point, have those gardens 
you know, taken root, so to speak, or <laughs> no or pun is it, intended, right? right? No pun um, intended, or was it, or was it more of it just the theory or the the concept that so you worked on? There are a, a number of gardens in Syracuse already, um, and there's a, a group called Syracuse Grows that actually helps to share ideas and oversee a lot of them, um, it, and it's a volunteer organization. So I think you know a lot of people have become involved with that. Um, I think. Joe and I were both surprised at how much was already happening with with this um, movement, I guess you'd call it. Um, but I think there needs to be this. The, the reason that this symposium was really great was because we brought everybody together and we had a really a conversation between all of the different players in, in, in the in the community. And I think one thing that we want to make sure to to maintain is is really the the people in the community as opposed to just the people you know people like us who are sort of acad- acad- academic institution. Kind of imposing um, on Yeah, we don't want, exactly. We want don't the community be... to gra- literally grassroots again. Yes. <laughs> Not to be, <laughs> no pun intended with the growing <clears throat> metaphor, but that whole idea of people basically picking up on this idea within the community. Right. <clears throat> I think one of the things that we learned the most was uh, that the people in the community know the best what they need. Uh, and I think what surprised me the most, and I think I can probably speak for Travis as well, is how much we learned about what we don't know and about um, how to try to figure out what our role is. Uh, that takes time for us to learn because what we don't want to do is come in and say, hey, we think you need this. That's not the point. The point is for us to say, we have a certain skill set. You have a certain need. How can we use our skill set to help you the most? So mm-hmm. we talk about, or I made some allusion to the fact that this is a food justice Define for me, either of you, what is food justice in your mind? Um, so, so I think there have been a lot of terms thrown around over time about about this, um, and I think now the sort of popular way to refer to it is food justice, um, and that's making sure that as a um, that everyone in the community has an equal, affordable access to healthy food. Okay, um, and I think you know coming from a health perspective, we've looked at it in terms of uh, obesity um, and food insecurity as being two, uh, two different factors that, that are both related, even though they don't seem to be related. Um, and food insecurity, meaning that somebody that a household has had trouble over the past year um, uh, and had to think about how to afford enough food, you know, had to, had to provide uh, nutritious food. Exactly. Um, and, and about in the U S about 14% of households have some level of food insecurity over the last year. Um, so it's not a small, um, number. Um, and, and Syracuse, um, the city itself has a particularly high level of poverty. And so the, the numbers for Syracuse itself are hard to find, but I think that it's probably even higher than this, the country as a whole. Yeah. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm Linda Cohen along with pediatricians Dr. Travis Hobart and Dr. Joseph Nima. We're talking about food justice and health and an initiative that they've become involved in locally to try to promote local gardens, actually. So where else is this happening in the country? I mean, is it something, obviously, Syracuse has a particular need and concern. Do you, I mean, is this something, and and Dr. Hobart alluded to the fact that these terms have been used elsewhere. So obviously, this is a concern that exists probably 
I'm going to guess worldwide in some ways when you talk about food access and food justice. But is it hap these kinds of things in terms of working with local populations, is that happening elsewhere as well, Dr. Nima? Yeah, this is certainly a growing movement uh, throughout the country and I would imagine throughout the world, but especially in the United States, Travis and I have spent some effort looking into what initiatives have been done in other places. Um, uh, one of the ways that I became interested in this was I happened to be watching a TED Talk by a guy named Ron Finley, who's from Los Angeles. Uh, he has a group of urban gardeners that he works with there. And uh, I was fascinated by what he had to say. One of the things he said is if kids grow tomatoes, they eat tomatoes. And if they grow kale, they eat kale. Wow. I happened to remember that. <laughs> I and like it that. stuck out in my mind that, uh, so this guy has a concept that rings really true to me. And he has this whole movement in LA. Uh, the keynote speaker for our symposium was a gentleman named Maliki. Keeney. He works in Detroit um, uh, and is a, a major player in his community as far as uh, developing a large urban farm on what used to be a park that was closed um, and using that to promote uh, health and community growth where he is. It's a, Obviously, um, Detroit has had problems with bankruptcy and financial issues, and the food desert there is a very real problem. Uh, that's just two examples, I think, of what's happened in a number of places throughout the country. It's pretty exciting, actually, to think that that is going on, especially when you think of something like that a park being closed and then being re-kind of purposed for something mm -hmm. so healthful and beneficial. Okay. So what's been your experience in terms of your own experience that you mentioned your experience with the community in terms of people's um, embracing this notion of if you grow it you eat it either of you I mean do you think that there is a receptivity to this idea and yeah. a willingness to get engaged in it yeah I do and, and I think I guess the first thing that pops to mind is is one of the people at the conference her name is Twiggy Ballou um, she runs it's called the um the Southwest Community, community, Garden. community uh, Farm, community farm yeah. Yeah, at um, Jubilee Homes. Mm -hmm. And uh, she will tell you she works in the community and she finds that when people start helping on the farm or working on the farm, they they really do get fully involved and they, and they seem to improve their, um, not only their nutrition, but also uh, they, they gain skills. She, she particularly talks about some of the teenagers that work there and they gain skills for um, selling, they go to the farmer's market and they sell the produce there. Um, and so these, these teens gain some life skills that are really useful as they grow older and they find jobs and things like that. So there's a lot of spinoffs. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. And, and she, you know, she had an example, I think it was a refugee girl that really kind of started working at the farm and really came out of her shell and was, you know, gaining all these skills and really has become really successful because of that. And Twiggy almost, she's, she's the sort of the head farmer, but she's also like the mentor and that, you know, helps to, to build, uh, build the lives of these young people. In, so a real role model. Yeah. As well. Yeah, very much. I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Mabel Wilson's name. Uh, Mabel is uh, one of the community activists that was, uh, it was really her brainchild. The uh, Food Justice Symposium really came from her. Uh, she's lived in Syracuse for most of her life, knows the history of, of urban gardening going way back in, uh, in uh, Syracuse's history. And uh, her take on the inherent value of growing food for yourself, for your family, and the nutritious value of it and what it does for the community was very, very obvious to everybody that spoke with her and worked with her on this project. Um, and so I think that 
that's a single example, as is Twiggy, uh, as is somebody like Mike Atkins, uh, who is doing work at the Dr. King School and also with a number of other organizations to promote urban gardening and is looking to open another one-acre farm similar to Twiggy's. Um, those are all concrete examples of people who know the inherent value of doing this and know that it's not just about growing food, that growing food is a piece of what happens, but growing the community is really what comes from that role modeling, uh, helping uh, build uh, um, roots for people that are growing up in those communities and give them a vision for what they want their future to and be. And even to have a stake in perhaps their own destiny. It seems mm, to me exactly. if you grow your own food, you have you as a buy-in to, in a sense, your own destiny. It mm -hmm. gives you a connectedness mm -hmm. to yeah. your own resources as opposed to maybe just going to a store and making that barter, you mm -hmm. know, for the for the dollar you spend versus actually investing in mm -hmm. that whole process. So there's a really a lot to be said for it. Yeah, I, I think it's very exciting. <clears throat> what new plans or any further plans have grown out of this? We only have a little bit of time left. Yeah, so, uh, so I think uh, Joe and I are actually meeting tomorrow with a couple of different people, both um, uh, Twiggy, actually, and um, and then uh, we'll be also meeting with the, the food bank of CNY. Um, so I think a couple things, I think the main thing we're looking to do, because we're pediatricians, we're coming at this at a health perspective, is just trying to do some kind of needs assessment or is there, you know, what is the health impacts or what are the health impacts of, of this um, and how can we add to that and, and help help figure out how, how can this go forward and be the most health for the most number of people. Um, and then in our clinics, what we're actually hoping to do as well is, is get uh, start asking people about their food insecurity and on a regular basis. And that's actually recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics to ask about food insecurity. Um, and that's why we're meeting with the food bank to hopefully um, find a way, a method to help people that we identify as being food insecure. To give them a to resource. Go. Exactly. Yeah. That's really very interesting because you don't think quite often that that would be a part of a routine health examination. Right. You know, are you having trouble feeding yourself, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But clearly it is, a, it is a real concern, and clearly it has all kinds of ramifications for health. Yeah, and, and we didn't talk about it much, but when you look at there is some research um, that shows that people do have health problems that are food insecure, you know, that does lead to long-term health Well, like you said earlier. Many health problems, yeah. physical health problems, mental health problems, all kinds of things that come from... Uh, both obesity and food insecurity. So we're trying to address that by getting out of the office a little bit and taking this on a whole different level of public health. Well, I, I applaud your efforts, um, very, very, very um, noble efforts, and I think it will be beneficial to the entire community. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing this. My guests have been Dr. Travis Hobart and Dr. Joseph Nima. They're both assistant professors of pediatrics at Upstate Medical University. Thanks again. I'm Thank Linda you. Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.